on this episode of Resi Week, Dish adds Google Assistant remotes and circadian lighting systems. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week, episode 184. Give Alexa a chance. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Peerless AV, driving technology through innovation. And by FSR. Welcome to Resi Week. This is your weekly wrap-up of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matt D. Scott for avnation.tv. And this week, we are pleased to be joined by my good friend, Todd Puma. He is the president of the Source Home Theater. How are you doing, Todd? Doing well, Matt. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for being here. Then we have Mark Feinberg. He is the president of Home Theater Advisors. How are you, sir? Doing great, Matt. Thanks again for having me on. Thank you. This is an all East Coast show, and we are (laughs) wrapping it up as we go up the line with Bob Archer. He is the senior editor at CE Pro. How are you, sir? Excellent. Thank you so much for being here. All right, gentlemen, let's kick this off with a story that comes to us from Residential Tech Today. Dish has activated Google Assistant and debuted a new Google-branded voice remote. If you are unaware of Dish's Hopper family of receivers, it is now going to allow their customers to access the Google Assistant directly via the Dish voice remote. Uh, The existing one, as well as the brand new uh, integrated and labeled one that is looking nice like that. Todd, I want to start with you on this one. Why, why do you think that uh, Dish went the Google direction over the other elephant in the room, uh, Alexa? What, any, any insight to, to why they would make that singular choice? I guess to kind of differentiate themselves from the other manufacturers that are all going the Alexa route. You know, there is a lot of people out there that request having uh, Google in their homes. They like the voice control a little better. They feel it's a little more fluent and it actually gets the commands right versus uh, Alexa. You know, for my own personal preference, I'm not a fan of any voice control at this point. Uh, I even tell my customers that they have to sign a waiver if they're gonna be going in that direction because it is not at 100% capacity. It's something that we're offering to a client. We wanna make sure that we could live by it, stand by it, and also believe in it. Um, Google Home has been, or Google Voice has been one of those rare cases where we had more success with it than Amazon. So I'm feeling maybe in that dish case that when their CEOs or engineers or development people uh, had something of that experience themselves and they kind of went in that direction over going in the elephant in the room, like you said, Alexa. Very good. Mark, when, when you see this, the, the big takeaway I have from all of these kind of stories that, that revolve around, you know, voice and, and the easy to use aspect of right. things like the Hopper remote, at what point does this remote and the, the functionality of this outweigh 90% of the functionality of something that's direct and, and mainstream in the CI level. Um, yeah, and that's a challenge we always face, right? Our clients always look at us and say, hey, my, my Spectrum remote and my Fios remote, who are our two main carriers here, have voice control. Why can't I have this with this fancy, expensive universal remote you just sold me? Um, we're not a Crestron house like Todd, so we don't have the, the, the TSR with voice, with voice capabilities with Control 4. There's no voice yet. 
Um, or no control either. I mean, sorry. My apologies. Oh, ouch. Um, so they, you know, the, the story with that is, first of all, this remote, from what I read in the article, it looks like the big benefit of the Google Assistant is not really controlling the dish. It's really getting ancillary information, maybe sports scores or ask a question about a movie you're watching and seeing that result up on the screen feels almost more intrusive to me. And I, I don't really see, I don't want whatever I'm watching is my escape. That's why I'm watching TV. I don't know if I want to have that interrupted because I want to know, um, you know, the score of a game. I'd rather look on a different screen to get that. That's a personal thing. Um, but screaming over to TV to get an answer to something seems disruptive if, if, unless you're alone. If you're with other people, I think it'd be a little disruptive. Um, but yeah, it, it is going to put more pressure on the CI industry and the products we sell because customers see the marketing and want the latest and greatest, even if, as Todd said, it's, if it's not, even if it's not fully baked and it's disruptive and it's accurate 60 or 70% of the time, they see the marketing, they see you know the, the, the successes of it and, and what does work and, and they want it. And that can be a little frustrating for us. Very good. Speaking of disruption and all that fun stuff, Bob, when you when you follow these stories and I, I save this question for you, cause I, I feel that you'll be kind of the, the best position to answer this. No matter what the essentially the consumer reports that come out say, are customers really looking for voice? Do, do they really want voice control on their remotes, on their TVs? Or is that again, just one of those, the people that want it are really, really loud about it. So it makes everyone have the, the perception that users really want voice. I, I, you know, I, it kind of reminds me of the whole thing of like the AVR category. You look at these AV receivers and they have every bell and whistle that you could ever think of having. Most of the stuff people don't use. And I think the remotes are probably falling into that same kind of mindset where even if people aren't asking for it, Dish, Comcast, whoever can say, oh, we have that same functionality as all those other companies. So yes, we offer everything that everyone else does. So I, I think it simply comes down to offering the things that they believe people will want, even if they don't necessarily want it right now. Very good. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Like, I can't tell you how many clients we show like the Siri remote to. And we tell them, you know, if you want to use this, leave it out on the, on the side table or on the coffee table for voice. And we come back a month later and it's put away because they're not using it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I believe that whole market, you know, there is a benefit. Like, let's talk about the one positive that it could be. As being a guitar player, Bob, I think you could agree with this as well, is I would love to say I want to turn on this song and, you know, get it playing while I'm playing the guitar so I don't have to disrupt my hands from being moved from the positioning and going to my iPhone, which I do every day. Every single day, I do try to give that Alexa a chance, and it's getting better at doing the music coordination versus lighting, shading, and you know all the third-party aspects that it could do a control system. It's not able to navigate well or to complete the commands based on my knowledge, right? Because I can't speak the way that Alexa wants me to. Is exactly say the name of the room the way it wants me to every single time. So that leaves me in a tough position in order to get the command completed. Now, our customers, they're going to feel the same way. But when I guess you're introducing it more and more to the bigger parties like Dish or DirecTV and 
you know, Verizon and the list goes on and on, that's more of a chance for them to get better and to grow in those categories, which maybe later on down the road, it could be something that I'm utilizing more often and I'm hoping to utilize more often for the sake of my customers based on every request. As Mark was saying, marketing sells and marketing brings customers to us, but sometimes we're not able to deliver based upon the lack of equipment doing what it's saying it's gonna be able to do in all categories that they you know, supply it and market it as able to do. Well, hold on for a second though, because sure. you hit a really good point that, that I wanna pull out. You said that you can't always say things in the right way that Alexa wants you to say. Correct. That any different than when you hand a customer a remote or show them a touchscreen, say, okay, so you wanna play the music in this room. Go to music, go to this room, and hit what you want to play. It's, is it not just teaching and, and, and showing customers, or yourself in this case, the proper, in voice control uh, language, the proper sequence of commands to get that to happen? Is it not See, just training? It, it's all about training, right? And I, I blame partial, you know, blame this on myself. Right. Because when I'm able, when I'm speaking, I'm not always to, re, I can't always remember what I'm going to say based on the command. I'm not that polished every single time to train myself, every single time to say it the same exact way. That's so a fault you. on mine. It, no, there's a big <laughs> portion of That's what I stated. I will blame the portion on myself. But again, my customers are feeling the same thing with based on, okay, living room lamp, light on, left, living room this or whatever the commands may be, I'm trying to make it easier for them to understand and to be able to use it through Alexa, but it's not coming across just like it would if you were able to type it in on an iPhone and get it done that way. And also I have a thick Jersey accent. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think Matt, to your, to your point, it's um, on a remote, there's visual cues, right? They look at the screen like, oh, what am I supposed to press here? Oh yeah, I see these like five options for Apple TV, cable, whatever. And there's a visual cue and it's the same process of the same um, flow through every room, through everything. And when they get to their lights and there's 50 loads, they can scroll through and pick the load. Yeah. You start talking about lights, there's 50 loads in the house. What are, the, what are those lights called? Are those the living room recessed soffit? What yes. are, or is that the living room soffit? Re, like you have to remember what everything's called. That's a lot harder to do. Right. right. And the average, the average New York City home is having up to 14 lighting loads based upon a one-bedroom apartment. Now that's just average in New York City. So that's a little bit easier to, to navigate through. But then when you start to add shades and you're adding other rooms, it starts getting more complex. And like you stated, a lot of the homes are getting to the point where it's 50 loads or more. And that's right. just even more confusion in order to make that control. Now there's other solutions out there that are more CI centric, which I'm not going to bring up names, but they probably do a better job at that at this point. But again, that's getting into bed with something that I still haven't fully supported at this point. Uh, I do think Dish deserves credit. If you remember a couple of years ago, they came out with their own voice remote control. I think this is in a way them acknowledging the fact that maybe it wasn't all that robust. And I think we've all tried these voice control products. Siri is the most maddening. I'm the biggest Apple fanboy, but Siri drives me insane, at least with Dish partnering with Google on this. Uh, you know that Google's ahead of the, uh, the syntax game and all of this. Um, they've clearly delineated themselves as a leader and maybe this will help Dish at least uh, get ahead in all this voice control remote stuff. Yeah, very good. Um, I, I will say that every time that we've implemented voice, 
I feel like we're implementing the old school control systems we used to do 10, 15 years ago, where you literally sh- printed out the sheet of paper with the right. commands and said, all right, here's how you do it. Step one, step two, step three, step four. <laughs> and, and, here, and here are the individual commands for all yes. 100, 150 devices in the house. Now, I, I will push back on that a little bit. Most people don't need to control, you know, there are 15 lights in their, in their living room from their voice. They need to control a scene or control one or two. But yes, right. your, your point is, is well. They don't made. need to, but they want to. <laughs> but that, that's what we're all about, right? We're a luxury brand, <laughs> right? Right. We sell the experience and that's what we're trying to bring to them. But I, I think everybody could agree here. It's, it's a challenge to give the customer everything marketing says we should give them. It's more, it's easier to build a system based upon things that we know and guarantee can work based on experience, you know, living, eating the groceries, as I would say, is when you're living with a product you're using on a daily basis, you know how it works and you give it a shot. And if you're confident with it, you give it to the market. And, you know, at this point, my confidence is low. And I believe, I know Mark could agree with that based yeah. on conversations we have daily, but it, it's just something that I'm praying and hoping it will get better. And I know it will. It's just progression, right? And they're going to be investing in it. It's still a very young technology in all reality. It's been out yeah. for a couple of years. Speaking of lighting, since we, we went down that rabbit hole, let's go down another one. This one comes to us from CE Pro Human Centric Lighting. Show us the circadian algorithms. This is from the one and only Julie Jacobson, who has been all about biophilia and wellness uh, these days. The story goes on to, to really highlight um, what Savant is doing in their circadian lighting uh, program and, and how they're giving the, the end user a lot more control over how that works. And she goes on to, to talk about how we've talked circadian rhythm for quite a while, but no one's really got it yet. And, and Savon's got a really good um, attempt out there and time will see how well this progresses in the real world. Mark, I want to start with you on this one. I've, I've, I'm a big lighting guy. I follow lighting fairly aggressively. It's probably the technology that I follow more than anything else. When I, when I read through this article, I agree and disagree with Julie. I agree that yes, the, the plug and play algorithm set is not there yet. And it, and it has never been there. And then I look at it from, you know, the pro control, um, like show development side of lighting using DMX and all those other things and say, yeah, people have been able to do this for quite a while. It's just not implemented as well. Are, are you, what, what, what camp are you in as far as seeing where the algorithms are and, and looking at whether that's something that you want a, a, a plug and play aspect or a, we're going to build this from scratch for each client? Um, I, I, I'm kind of, I feel like I'm like the negative Nelly today on this call. Um, I, I kind of feel like it's, it's, kind of similar to where, where voice was a few years ago. I think it's, it's so in its infancy. Um, I, I don't, it has to be plug and play. I think trying to customize it on our end is just going to run into clients getting frustrated that it's not in sync. It's not their home on Tuesday where they usually aren't, or the kids are out of school today and the circadian rhythms are off. Um, you're going to run into that whole issue before all the control systems allowed end user customization of their lighting scenes. 
right? They're going to be calling us every, every other day to fix things or reprogram things. I, I think it needs to be plug and play. It needs to be learning. I think there was an, a, a reference in the article to Nest. It, it, it needs to be learning like Nest. And even with Nest, I get client complaints that, you know, it, they're always adjusting it. It's, it's, never, it, it's, not, it's not learning as well as, they, it, you know, the marketing says it should be. Um, this, this is similar to, I feel like, where we were in voice. It's just, it's, it's way, not even close to where we are in voice. And it's not anything, I'm not a savant dealer, but I can't imagine touching this at this point. <laughs> I have, and also, you know, we You're do more negative. middle market. <laughs> what was that? A little You're negative? negative. <laughs> um, I'm going to put a big like X over my face today. Um, I, I have enough, you know, we do more middle market. Our jobs are, um, you know, smaller apartments. We're not doing seven story townhouses. We're not doing, you know, 10,000 square foot homes. We're doing thousand to 2,500 square foot apartments in New York, which are still, you know, two to $4 million homes, but they're, they're, they're smaller. And I still have a challenge selling lighting automation to a lot of these clients. I can't imagine trying to sell circadian rhythm to them. <laughs> See, I, I would disagree with Mark with the middle market is I've been disagreeing with him since day one that in New York city, there is no middle market and where Fair he's enough. playing and the grounds he's playing on, it's all the high end market and his challenges by selling lighting. I could agree. It's not always easy. It's really we're fighting with the designers most of the time that don't think that the lighting is necessarily needed. Um, but in the play in Mark's, you know, camp, I, I agree <laughs> in a lot of it. I really do. <laughs> and also, I mean, for lighting control in, in the city, it's often a one, you know, a single apartment. It might be three bedrooms. You might have 20 loads. The cost benefit, you know, you're not running up and down stairs trying to turn lights on and off. That goodbye button has less value to a client. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. Yeah. Robert, when you follow this, is this something that is posed for prime time? Is this something that will ever be in our, in our working lives? Do you see this being something that the average homeowner, average DIY individual goes into a Home Depot and buys something that allows them to achieve this? I think, yes. The question is, what kind of timeline are you looking at? Like, uh, you know, Julie is awesome at uh, identifying these trends and these technologies. Uh, she was, you know, on the home control bandwagon 25 years ago, and it's taken this long for the market to mature to the level where it is now. This could be her new um, home automation. It, the question with all of this is, if people want it now, it probably isn't ready for prime time. Five, 10 years from now, who knows if these technologies mature rapidly, it, it could be something that some guy walks in the Home Depot and asks the, uh, the person in the aisle, hey, um, can I hook this up? And yeah, you know, it could, it could be a turn, turnkey product, but right now it's, it's pretty advanced. It's pretty far out there for anyone to consider as turnkey plug and play. Very good. Todd, one of my and I'm all on board on this, just, just to set, set this clear. I, mm-hmm. I love, but again, I'm, I'm a lighting nerd, so I'm all about this. But when I look at this, when I look at how to, how to functionally achieve this, all it really requires is a lot of back-end programming. Don't get me wrong. But for the end user, they just need buttons that allow them to adjust a schedule. Not unlike their HVAC, not unlike their pool pumps, not unlike, heck, their lighting that we do today. So that when they, when they walk in the door early at four, 
it doesn't screw up everything for the rest of the day when they're normally not home. How long is it going to take to, to kind of pull off Bob's point there? How long is it going to take before this becomes a, dare I say, standard within at least our CI community? Not DIY, not Home Depot, but within our community who is arguably, arguably best, best prepared for this. Future cast, put on your future hat for a minute. How far out before we actually start to see this? I'd say this is what I believe. Lutron and Savant are on the bandwagon. That means we're not too far out because they want to be investing in something that was, uh, you know, five years out in the future. What I believe is that this is something that would probably be implemented or being brought up from customer base of, you know, fairly soon within the year to two years, you know, Lutron, um, was it Philips Hue and all those other manufacturers came up with something similar. You could change the light based on the mood, change the colors of LEDs. Customers understand the LED strips and they're getting more involved in that. So I, I believe they've been already um, introduced to it. And now this is at a bigger scale. This is at a whole house scale. Um, what I do think is going to happen is that people like myself are very interested in before I bash it or before I go against it, I want to learn about it. I want to see it in person. I want to see what it can do. Then that can open up my eyes to the bigger horizon, what this is for. You know, like yourself, you understand lighting, you love lighting, and you have a different way of thinking about it. My thinking of lighting is a little bit more narrow-minded because of my lack of education in the area. But something like this, when Mark and I were talking earlier, it, it's something that could be extremely problematic or something that's extremely profitable. And as a business, this is what we want to do, right? We want to be able to keep ourselves as a value. Okay, what do we offer? All right, TV sales down. This sales down. Networking's getting easier. So this will help us to keep a different avenue of revenue to increase us to a level we need to sustain our business or to grow our business. I think this is something like shading that's going to blow up and something that's going to make us a lot of money if we get on the bandwagon now to educate ourselves and to kind of utilize it. What are the benefits? What can it do? What can it do? And how we can introduce it to our customers at a lower end of it. Like you said, building only buttons they need, time of day scenes, you know, a person gets home, maybe Mark earlier to his point, can credit on this, is oxy sensors based on time of day. So it will kind of know a little bit more than actually giving itself to learn the environment. Because I'm always afraid of that because of the Nest experience that I personally had in my home and customer experiences that have been addressed in the past. Um, I'm not a little learning yet. Yeah. Like learn yeah. me, learn this. But I, I agree with, I agree with Todd and, and Robert. I mean, I think in that, if you're looking in that three to five, six year range, I, I could see this becoming more of a, more, a little more mainstream. I was thinking more in the one to two years is where I was getting that negativity. But if you look a little further out where this becomes a little more mainstream, I think it's probably to start out. I, I see it coming up maybe a little bit more in, along the DIY route. Um, yeah, you know, bulb by bulb kind of thing, almost like you did with uh, with color. As Todd said, with like color temperatures and things like that, and then being able to do it um, with you know replace a replace a dimmer with a dimmer that has a a, a light sensor in it. To, you know, and I think light. that's the really interesting aspect of this is because of the industry that we're all in, we look at this strictly at the high end, and hey, how do I throw this onto homeworks or onto C4's panelized system or, or Crestron's panelized system? But when you look at, if you, if you step, step it back a minute and look at where the first control for LEDs and not, not traditional LEDs, but RGB LEDs, color LEDs, 
and color shifting. That was being done in all of our you know, mainstream platforms that we use, but it was really expensive and really, really complicated. Hue came out with a bulb that for 220 bucks in an app, you could control everything and do it simply. To me, that's, that's the one thing that this, this circadian concept will always have an ultra high end standpoint, but I think it's the really innovative companies um, and, and honestly, probably a smaller company that's going to jump on this, say, Ooh, we can do this and we can do this like this. And they'll think about it in a non-traditional way and bounce something out kind of a lot of the, the lines of, of obviously Hue or Nest or something like that. I think it's going to be really interesting to watch. I could agree with that 100% because Hue helped me to sell more lighting control. Hue and brands like Sonos helped me to sell more parts and the audio distribution. You know, uh, even Fios, when they came up with their multi-room controller and how they're able to control the boxes, that helped me to sell video distribution with the Apple TVs and miscellaneous other third-party parts. And this is something that is going to be able to help us grow in those areas and also another avenue to educate the client. There's a part in me where I was always against the DIY products because of fear. I was always afraid that the DIY products got so easy, I was never going to be needed. Mark always bashed me and Mark always told me, listen, you got to change your mindset and try this and try that. And you know what? Ever since I've been trying brands like Eero, which is my favorite brand right now, uh, Sonos, which is one of my uh, go-to media servers, and other third-party brands that Mark introduced me to that I was pushing against, you know, I was kicking myself in the butt now because I could have made so much money throughout the past if I wasn't so stubborn and narrow-minded. And this is another avenue where it's like, you know what? I want to learn it. I want to be like one of those integrators that are making hand over fist because they're trying new things. They're mm -hmm. able to engage into the new, just like Crestron Home. Just like other party products, they can easier to program and easier to set up, which is a benefit to our customers because they're paying less for programming fees. And they're also getting a better solution that's supported 100% by the manufacturer. And getting in, getting out, and as Rich Pagosa say, getting paid. That's the key to all this. And everyone's happy in the long yeah. run. That's 100% the key. All right, gentlemen, let's leave it there. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Uh, Bob, if people want to connect with you, learn more about CE Pro, where can they do that? Um, they can go to cepro.com or they can find me on Twitter too. Um, I hate to say it off the top of my head. I'm drawing a complete blank on my Twitter handle, but, uh, <laughs> um, it's out there. So, uh, I'm easy enough to find. Very good. Thanks again for being here. Uh, Mark, if people want to connect with you and learn more about home theater advisors, where can they do that? Uh, old school, Mark at hometheateradvisors.com or just the website hometheateradvisors.com and Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash hometheateradvisors. Very good. And Todd, my good friend. Bob, I can't remember my Twitter handle either. I think it's either <laughs> HT Advisors or Home Theater Advisors. I can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just follow them both. We'll help, exactly. help somebody else out as well. Thank you so much, uh, Todd, for being here. If people want to connect with you, learn more about The Source Home Theater, where can they do that? They can find me on all platforms. Very simple, at The Source Home Theater. And that's all you have to do. You'll be able to follow anything my business is doing. Beautiful. Excellent. Thank you guys again for joining us. Uh, if you'd like to connect with me, you can find me at Matt D. Scott on Twitter. Uh, and more importantly, please stop by avnation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of other shows with all the verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, please take it a moment to check out our supporters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you support them as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of Resi Week. Resi Week.